going to go back into worship this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 9 to put your finger there. Because this morning, we're going to talk first just about some of the things going on at Vintage. I told you I'd keep you in the loop. And you know one of the issues we've been facing at Vintage is... Uh, several weeks ago, we talked about this indefinite ex- uh, suspension of, of Timothy Parker, our youth pastor. And and, um, and so we've been in constant conversation with him in the last several weeks. And just this week, we we landed and talking with him on Monday and Wednesday. And just to give you a heads up that we have officially in conversation come to a place uh, of his resignation from vintage as a youth pastor here. And we're continuing in this, this journey, in this process of restoration. Now, I'll say when we're journeying with them, I mean that we are in, in almost daily conversation, someone from Vintage coming alongside and walking and praying through. And so here's the thing I want you to say this morning. I want you to continue to pray. Obviously, God is moving in the midst of this. We're praying for all parties involved. We're praying for Timothy. We're praying for Harvest. We're praying for everyone, right? And I know in the moment it's, it's a difficult thing. And so when we talk about issues this morning, there are real issues. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is this. You want to pray, but here's the other thing I want you to do. I need you all to listen. This is really important. I'm about to be pastor dad real quick, and so I need you all to pay attention, okay? Pastor dad is saying this. There are specific people that have come alongside of Harvest and Timothy, right? God has, they've chosen people. God has chosen people and put wise counsel basically to circle around them in this season to come to love and to comfort and to process everything going on. And this is what we believe. We believe that God is going to speak to them individually in their own time of prayer with him. We also believe, listen, God's going to speak through the wise counsel that God has placed around them. Your responsibility in this season is not to go and share your opinions and what God is speaking to them through you, but to go and pray for them. Because here's the problem. People are going to say, I was praying for you and God said, and what we're getting is two people on two separate sides of the camp saying the exact opposite things. You know what that breeds? Confusion. It's not healthy. And so here's what I'm asking you. If you feel like you've heard from God and you're not part of their circle, as in and you would know that you were because you were invited in, then you just pray the things that you hear and let God take care of everything else. Does that make sense? And so I think you hear my heart and understand what I'm trying to say. I want people, listen, and you can pray because here's the deal. I don't know if you know this or not, but God's big enough to communicate to those he wants to communicate with. He doesn't really need you, right? And so in that, right, you pray for them. You encourage this. You can send words of encouragement. You can send words of affirmation when you see them. Make sure you ask healthy questions. If you want healthy questions like, hey, listen, I want you to know we're praying for you. Is there anything I can do for you? Right. I know we get it with like, hey, how are you? We're like, oh, I'm fine. Right. It's like, no, to say we're praying for you. We love you. Well, I want you to know, man, we are. So we support you and all that you're doing and we believe in you. And that's your words, affirmation and encouragement. And you trust the circle that God's placed around them. Does that make sense? And so there you go. So we're continuing to pray through all this stuff. And so we have these things. But here's the thing I want you to hear me say as we move forward to the next thing. So we have these issues. We have these things that we're wrestling with and we're struggling with. All of us have those pieces. Even in naming that this morning, some of you went, oh, my gosh, that's so hard. But the thing I want you to recognize this morning is that there are issues, but that there is this place of God moving. Listen, of God moving and God speaking into that has to become the primary thing we attach ourselves to. 
Last week, if you were here, you know, uh, Harvest, she, she spoke this word about overshadowing, God overshadowing us. And, and, and it's one of those things this morning. We're going to take some time and break this word down. And then we're going to take some time at the end and really go after Jesus again in worship. And, and in the context of this word, I asked her, so what happened? She said, I was, I was driving to church last week and I started to begin to pray for, for vintage. And the moment I turned my thoughts towards vintage, the word overshadow came out of nowhere. It was like an electric shock in my head with the word overshadow flashing through it. I started to pray for the overshadowing presence of God, just an overall increase of presence. And then I knew I was supposed to share that word with everybody. And so Harvest did. You know, last week she got up and during work, during worship, she spoke this, this word that, from God about overshadowing, specifically a cloud, an invitation to move into it, right? A cloud representing God's presence. And so if you were in ministry time, you know that I told you about Scott. Scott Crawford, our associate pastor, we were in our pre-service prayer. And at that time, he said, Steve, I just have this picture of a, of a, of a beehive full of honey. And he said, uh, and he said, in that, he said, I, I just recognized, I feel like God's saying he has this forest, but I saw, I saw this cloud. Around the beehive, and God said, "I like God was saying that that's His presence, and we have to to go through the cloud, right, to to get to this thing that God has for us." You could think of this issue, right, pressing in this morning. Just, we press into His presence again. This whole cloud analogy, and so literally during ministry time again, I was talking to Larissa back. I don't think she's she and Robert are here today, but but she said, "Steve, I got to share this word with you." And she was kind of shaking. I said, "What's going on?" She said, "Literally on my way to church today, I was just kind of driving along, and all of a sudden, I, God just reminded me of this." canvas that I had been painting two years before and for circumstances I had put it aside this morning I literally saw the canvas as I was driving and God said hey I want you to paint a cloud into the painting representing my presence because I want to bring you into that she said I literally leaned into my husband Robert as we were in worship last week I told him that he kind of nodded at me and Harvest said hey I feel like God has a word about overshadowing his presence in a cloud so in the midst of about two and a half hours, God spoke to almost a, a very, very similar word to three different people. And so I felt like it would probably be important for us this morning to take some time and to biblically break that down of what I believe God is speaking into the moment. Now, let me just say this again. I want you to know vintage is a place who believes that God still speaks to his children today. Now, it's important to recognize, I don't believe he speaks big P prophecy as in, hey, we're going to, he's going to say something we rewrite scripture with, right? We do not believe in that, right? But we believe in little P prophecy and we believe God still speaks to his children today. Why? Because he loves them. He wants to challenge them. He wants to encourage them. I know that God speaks today and you do too. How do I know this? How many of you have ever felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit to not do something? Or to do something. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. What else would it be? It has to be Jesus. It's not the enemy telling you not to do that. Right? He's trying to lead you in the direction. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking. How many of you have given your lives to Jesus? How did you know he was wooing you? Because you heard his voice speaking into you. And we believe he still speaks today. Listen, we believe God speaks through scripture. Every day. How many of you ever said, man, that pastor, maybe not me, right? But that pastor was really preaching at me today, right? Because you were hearing God speak through a person. How many have ever heard God's voice through your spouse? I mean, biblically speaking, God can, listen, how many of you have heard God through your children? 
I have. God speaks however he wants to speak, whenever he wants to speak. We know it because there's that story of Balaam and the donkey. And and God says, I can prove to you I can speak any way I want to. And donkey turns around and starts talking, right? It's Jesus, God's voice. It's like this beautiful piece. So God still speaks today. So when God speaks, the idea is really, really simple. We need to listen. When God speaks, we need to listen. And so this morning, I want to just take this word. I want to unpack it a little bit. Some of the things I feel like God's even just speaking to me, encouraging me with this week. So again, you already have your, your finger in Luke chapter 9. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, a little bit different than the NAS and the NIV and all the NLTs and the message, all that kind of stuff, right? Here we go. Verse 28. It's on the screen. If you want to follow along. Here we go. Now, about eight days after these things, he, Jesus, took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing, excuse me, his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And 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 not knowing what they were saying, like, you know, you just kind of say things like, ah, let's make three tents, whatever it is. Right. They had no idea what they're talking about. Verse 34. This is where we, we pay attention to all of it. this part we're going to focus on. And as Peter was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is a powerful story of the transfiguration, right? It's the only moment we know of while Jesus was on earth where he expressed the fullness of his divinity. Basically, that means God, listen, pay attention. God expressed his godness, right? God expressed or Jesus expressed his godness uh, in the moment. And so in this picture, right, we see a powerful story, especially in verse 34, right? We're in the moment. It says, for this word in our season, as he was saying things, verse 34, and as, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. The Greek word for overshadowed is espeskiazo, uh, espeskiazo. Espeskiazo, right? I need to practice that. The idea of overshadowed, and it's used five different times in the New Testament. It literally means to, to cover as with a cloud, to throw a shadow up. Overshadow means to cover as with a cloud, to throw a shadow up, to envelop in a shadow, right? There is something in the moment, right, that something is causing a shadow to overshadow, and so in this moment, right, we understand the nature of something causing a shadow or something overshadowing, especially right now. We are literally in the middle of like 100 percent humidity and heat and it's overwhelming and it's miserable. Right. And we go outside and what happens? The sun beats down and we feel like we're melting. We walk outside in two minutes and literally we just stand there and we just begin to sweat profusely. 
It just happens. It's gross, right? We change our clothes several times during the day. It takes several showers. Especially those who just like to be clean, right? And so in those moments when we're outside, we're mowing the grass or, or, or when we're playing, we're playing sports or swimming the beach, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden we're like, it's so hot. And the, the, the cloud comes over, right? Blocks the sun. And in the moment, there's this sense of being overshadowed. And all of a sudden, the oppressive nature of the heat that's bearing down on us simply begins to diminish in the moment. We all understand this word of, of being overshadowed. The Hamburgs, we love to sit on our front porch. I mean, this time of year, it's unbearable. We thank God whenever, whenever clouds come to create an overshadowing in our lives. Each time this word is used in scripture, it speaks to God and his manifest, tangible presence, his obvious presence coming and creating the shadow. All five times in scripture we see it. And the first one is a cloud that overshadowed everyone at John, excuse me, at Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. Remember that story? So all of a sudden, right, this shadow, this, this overshadowing comes in the moment and God speaks as this is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? We have Peter. This is a unique expression. The, the presence of God was so tangible and obvious in Peter that his, the presence of God in him, whenever it calls a shadow, literally calls wherever we go, his shadow to bring healing to people. It's also the same word overshadowed that talks about the Holy Spirit or God coming upon Mary and conceiving Jesus. And of course, we have this other story here of the presence of God, his tangible presence coming in the moment as a cloud, right? And into the moment, right? It overshadows and envelops Peter, James, and John. Now, I speak these words, and you're probably, you might be bored from talking about the Bible. But for some, for some reason, some of us get bored talking about the Bible. But I want you to hear me say is there's this word overshadowed in scripture that is caused by something out here. And Jesus is saying, I want to overshadow you. And so therefore something has to come to create the overshadowing. And so what we find in scripture 100% of the time in the instances of an overshadowing happiness, there is a tangible, obvious, expressed presence of God called in scripture, the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory, it literally means the obvious, right? The tangible, obvious, expressed, you cannot deny it, presence of God in a moment. And biblically speaking, we first see it in the Old Testament. I'm not going to go back, but it's like it is this overshadowing Shekinah that, that led the, the Israelites in, 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 the, in the Exodus, right? We see it several times. And what we usually see the Shekinah is, is God comes in and he literally descends upon places. And so we see God's spirit comes or God comes and dwells in the temple. Remember Moses said, and the, and the, and the presence of God over his Shekinah came and overshadowed the tabernacle and Moses would not go in because it was too much. But the thing that would happen in the Old Testament is he would come and he would descend. And then usually because of people's sin, he would then ascend. Right. He would come and he would go. He would come and he would go. 
That was the nature of Shekinah glory in the Old Testament. But this shifted dramatically in the New Testament. In the New Testament, this completely shifted. And it's vital to our understanding of overshadowing and God's tangible overshadowing Shekinah presence. His presence has descended, right? The resurrection, the veil was torn in two. He descended in those who give our lives to him. What happens? He comes with his Shekinah presence and he descends within us. And now he lives within us. But we know this. What? He never leaves nor forsakes. So his Shekinah, his presence that causes a shadow to happen, doesn't ascend and descend, descend and ascend. It has descended and has never departed. Old Testament has given way to the New Testament. We're going to look at that in 2 Corinthians 9 in a bit. But his tangible dwelling, his tangible dwelling with us, the Shekinah, Jesus says, I'm with you and I will never leave you, which begs the question, what would it mean then if God says he is going to overshadow us in this season if there's no longer any ascending and descending, descending and ascending? He's just descended and he's now present with us. What does he mean by this? The high school Bible study on Wednesday. Yeah, shout out. There you go. Right? A lot of fun. We talk about how so many of us get lost. Hear this. We talk about the nature of so many of us getting lost in the routine of everyday life. Like, you know how you wake up in the morning and you have a routine. You get up, you go to the bathroom, you take care of business, brush your teeth. Then you go, hopefully the coffee's, hopefully the coffee's being made for you, right? And then you go get it and then you partake of much of the octane, right? To wake yourself up as part of your routine. And then you're like, don't speak to me in the morning type person. Let your Cole Hansen. He just wakes up chipper, right? And so you have this whole dynamic going down, right? Then all of a sudden you get in your car for many of us or go to school and you go and you go spend your day somewhere you don't want to be, right? And then you leave, and then a lot of you have to go to Atlanta, so you drive home in the routine of traffic, and you have your special radio stations that you listen to. And then you get home, and you're hungry, so you either make dinner, or dinner's provided for you, and you take a little bit of time with your family to hang out and talk, and then you watch some television, and then you go to bed, and then you repeat. All of us, we have these routines that define our lives. And the problem with routines is so often we get stuck in them and it literally blinds us and we cannot find the places where God is moving. How many of you have ever driven to work and realized you have no memory of any part of your trip? Right? How many of you are from point A, point B, and you're like, yes, this is a high school. Like, you had no idea how you got there. You're like, did I fall asleep or did God translate me here? I have no idea, no recollection, and no memory. Because why? Because you're so stuck in routine and every day, even, listen, even in the context of your marriages, how many of you have gotten into a routine in your marriage? When's the last time you went on a date? When's the last time you surprised your wife? I'm terrible at this, right? I've been a season. We haven't, we're like, oh, I need a date. I'm like, I know, right? But like, we, like, we're so stuck in routine. And so in the context of routine, what happens? We, listen, we completely live blind to God. So often, we live blind and unaware of the things that God is doing, the things that God is speaking, the things that God is calling us to, right? And we have to wake up. 
Because that's what happens in routine. You all of a sudden kind of jar, you're like you kind of shake yourself. Whoa, how did I get here? How did I get myself here? And the idea is we jar ourselves awake because he is always moving. He is always stirring. He is always desiring to move and to bless so that we can bless others. We simply have to allow God to break us free from our routine to see where he has been and is moving right now. The nature of God. Listen, the nature and reality of God dwelling with us takes us takes on a new understanding as we recognize it is some, not something we must wait for for his presence. Listen. It's not something we wait for, for his presence is always with us. It's more of a turning to see what has already come and is here in the moment. It's an opening of our spiritual eyes, shifting away from self, shifting away from sin, our fears, our worries, our routine, to the truth that his Shekinah, his presence that causes an overshadowing, is ever present. It's a tangible presence. It's always dwelling with us and intimately with us. Therefore, what if we could say today that we don't have to wait for his Shekinah that produces an overshadowing dwelling presence as if it hasn't been here. But instead, when God says he's going to overshadow us, it means he's trying to get our attention to turn and look at what he has always been doing since we gave our lives to him. We aren't waiting for something that is coming. But instead, he is waking us up and opening our eyes to what has always been here. The nature of his Shekinah, his tangible presence with us. Well, there are moments when you see it, yes, but isn't that primarily because you've just tuned in to what he's doing? You've all of a sudden awakened yourself to maybe God is moving. Because here's the thing, if I wake up every day with an anticipation and an expectation of his tangible presence to bring overshadowing in the context of my life, do you think he says, nah? No, the nature is he says, I have never left you. I will not forsake you. It's what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. He says this, yes, to this day. Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over the hearts of the Jewish people. But hear this. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. You know what a veil does, right? It keeps you from seeing. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom for interaction. There's freedom for relationship. We all now have unveiled faces. I mean, there are no barriers to seeing the glory of the Lord, or at least there are no barriers that God has placed in front of us. He's like, my presence is here. He's not, he's not playing the game with the Greek gods. Like, I'm angry with you today, so I'm going to depart for a moment to go pout, and then I'll come back. We don't believe in a pouting God. We believe in a God who says, I know what you've done. I'm the only one who really knows where you are and what's going on. I'm really the only one who knows how to get you out of where you are. I'm the only one who knew how you really got yourself to where you are and you need me. And so when you turn, when you repent, when you look away from routine and stuff and turn back, I'm already here. 
I'm already here. My presence is with you. We can't believe the lie that he's not. And what happens when we see his glory? What happens when we wake up from the moment and we say, Jesus, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to see you. Not, oh, Jesus, let me see you. We don't ever need to pray again. Oh, Jesus, just let me see you. Jesus, awaken me and open my eyes to see you here. What happens when we see his Shekinah? We are transformed, according to this, into the image of Jesus every day, bit by bit, growing, maturing. We call it the process of sanctification. Who does this work? It comes from the Spirit who is the Lord. So I invite the team to come back if we're going to worship some more this morning. We have issues. We have stuff going on, right? But here's the thing. Our belief is that God has promised he says, I'm overshadowing. Doesn't mean like I'm coming from a distance to descend. It means I am awakening you to my presence that's here. And so what I'm encourage you with is just a few words. Number one, there must be an anticipation. There must be an anticipation. There must be an invitation. God, I am like when, um, what's his name? Samuel said, here I am, Lord, speak. There's an invitation in the moment. The second thing we need, third thing we need here is an engagement. There's this process of, like the woman with the issue, right? That she comes and she presses through the crowd saying, and for us, what does that look like for you? Because in the moment, right, there's routines that we deal with. There is sin that the enemy has bound us with. There is worry that literally keeps our eyes focused on situations and not God. There's negativity. Do you realize you can't, God's not negative. So if you're negative in nature and your conversations are negative, it means you're walking away with your eyes off of the presence of God. Because if I am focusing on Jesus, then I see him, I'm filled with faith, and all of a sudden the positivity bursts from me because I'm filled with hope and encouragement and life. The last thing is expectation. Do we literally sit here saying, God... You said it. I'm expecting it. I believe it. Expectation being this biblical hope of like, I know you're coming. I know you're here. I know I'm going to see you. I just can't wait, right? That they're, like I can, it's like this whole idea of saying all of a sudden, you know that moment when you were a kid or, or when you were older and there was someone you really wanted to see and like you knew they were coming. There was expectation. Like you just knew. Like you were living expect, expectantly. They're going to show up. You're going to see them. In this moment, right, there's a way, way of saying, God, I'm living, anticipating, inviting, engaging, and I'm expecting God. There's me in a moment, my eyes, all those like scales are going to fall off, and I'm going to see you. And it's not your fault that I'm not seeing you because you're present. His Shekinah is present. He's going to overshadow. He is overshadowing us. And we're saying, God, would you awaken us this morning? Would you open our eyes to what is already true? And then we would then live our lives with Him, expected and hopeful of being awakened every day to his overshadowing because it's true every day. Let me just say this in the tangible expression, like we were at youth camp and it's like, they're all sorts of like demonstrative, like big expressions and feelings, all this kind of stuff. But one of my favorite scriptures that God has used again and again to speak into my life is 1 Kings 19, right? Elijah goes into the, the cave running from Jezebel, right? 
and, and says, go wait for me. It says all of a sudden, it says this, it says, and then an earthquake came and, and shook the mountain, but God was not in the earthquake. It says there was a, a, a raging fire that came to swept through, but God was not in the fire. And then it says there was a wind that came and blew powerfully, but God was not in the wind. It says then there was a, sound like a gentle whisper. Elijah put off over his cloak and walked out to meet with God. You see, so often we, we put limited expectations on how God's allowed to move in our lives. So we miss everything that he has. And we wait for the earthquakes and we wait for the fires, wait for the winds. And he's over here just whispering. And I don't know about y'all, but whispers are a lot more intimate and tender than earthquakes. And I'd prefer to live in the whisper than the earthquakes. So this morning, what is it? What is your routine? Is worry your routine? Is negativity your routine? Is sin your routine? Is laziness your routine? Is control your routine? Because when you control, God tries to let you. What is it for you this morning? What is it for you? Father, I ask that you would awaken us this morning. to come back into worship, Jesus. God, I'm asking that you not deal with us as if you're frustrated. But we're inviting you to say, Jesus, would you awaken us? God, would you come put your finger on things that become, listen, I believe God's saying that there's things that have become so routine for you that you're not even aware that you're living in it. You just think it's who you are, and it's not. And so, Father, I'm asking now that you would awaken people to their routines that are literally keeping them from experiencing the tangible Shekinah presence and overshadowing. They're praying for and asking Lord, I pray that you would put your finger beautifully and wonderfully on these areas today so they can repent, they can turn from it and walk towards you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's how we're going to end this morning. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to have ministry teams available on both sides. If your ministry team, go ahead and come forward right now, please. We have communion available here to remember God's sacrifice, this good news that he's made a way for us to relate and to know him. Offering baskets always available. You can come and give as the Lord has led as an act of worship this morning. But we're going to sing this morning. And I invite you, if you want to sing this morning standing with your hands raised, you can do that. Because there's songs you can do that too. But this morning, if you need to just be still before the Lord, you can come to the altar and just pray. You can do that if you pray in your chair where you are. But let me say this. I want you to hear this very clearly. There are some of you who know how you're living and you shouldn't be and you're running from God. Now, let's be honest with you. As much as God wants to move this morning in your life, he can't. Sorry. It's just the way that it is. And so you respond this morning. If you know you need to turn back to him, then let's do that. And as you do that, then we know with great compassion and love will meet you. 
So you respond as the Lord leads. After that, don't have to leave as you have to. We're going to have announcements at the end, some important things we need to hear. But let's take some time and really focus on Jesus.